0: Father, we just thank you, God, for just everything. God, we just thank you for all the activities we've got. God, just the back to school. God, just to be able to help people, project outreach, those that need help. God, I thank you that we're a church that's about helping. We want to be the hands and feet, reaching, touching, impacting lives. And God, now we pray that you would impact our life. God, right now as we sit here, God, under the preaching and teaching of your word, challenge our hearts today to receive what you would say, God. May we leave changed. May we leave transformed. We love you. We pray you. In Jesus' name, shout amen. Look at your neighbor and say, looking good, looking good, looking good. So how how many of you this week have been living a life of prayer, not just praying a prayer? Come on, come on. How many learned from last week's message that God wants us to live throughout the day praying a prayer? I've got to admit that I think out of All the series that we've probably ministered and preached and taught here at the church, this has been one that has probably almost challenged me the most and changed me the most when it comes to prayer. I would say prayer was probably one of the biggest weaknesses of my life. Not meaning that I didn't do it, but just how the enemy would use it to beat me up, saying, you need to do more, you need to pray more, you need to do this and you need to do that. But I believe that we've been really liberated to know that God can teach us how to pray. That God can equip us on how we pray. That we maybe aren't geared to pray for three, four hours straight. We can't do, I can't do that. If I'm going to pray for three, four hours straight, I'm going to fall asleep. I'm going to get bored. Come on, look at you all holy looking at me like that. I'm going to get bored. My mind's going to go everywhere. But I can walk and pray and I can handle stuff like that. In fact, Kelly often laughs and says, man, you pray so loud. I can't even pray because you pray so loud. I have to do that because then it drowns out all my thoughts and just all the things in my mind. But I've been liberated to know that God wants me to pray in my own unique way. And to speak to Him in that way that I don't have to be like everyone else, but I can be who God wants me to be in prayer. Not saying that I've arrived because we will never arrive, because we'll never come to the end of the infinite knowledge and relationship of who and what God wants to be in our lives. But we can be constantly arriving as God touches us and God changes our life. And so we're really conscious that we want you to be a part of that. We want you to begin to pray it forward. Come on, say that with me, pray it forward. Just really begin to pray and to call those things that you may be not seeing right now, just calling those things into existence, just allowing God to use you to speak to your circumstances and situation and just really believe that you're going to see God turn them around. And that God is going to intervene on your behalf, that God's going to intercede on your behalf. So today I want to continue the series. And here's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about three types of prayer. Three types of prayer. And it's amazing to be honest with you. The prayer types that we're going to talk about, many of us don't even equate many times with prayer. We don't even think of them as prayers, or what we need to pray. And those three types of prayer today are this, praise, worship, and thanksgiving. Let me say that one more time. Praise, worship, and thanksgiving. You see, praise, worship, and thanksgiving is more than just singing a song like we've just done. It's more than just corporately singing a song and being involved in praise and worship in church. As important as that is, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later, greater, in a greater depth. But praise and worship and thanksgiving are something that must come from our heart. There's something that must be alive inside of each one of us. Come on, they're a way that we can communicate with God. We can praise God. We can worship God, we can thank God. It's a communication, literally a prayer that we can offer up to God because as we send our prayers, as we send our praise, as we send our worship and our thanksgiving, we take our hands off our situations and we say, God, we need you. We need you to move, we need you to be involved. So many times we think of prayer as just coming to God and praying for all our stuff. But I want to tell you, praise, worship, and thanksgiving are types of prayer that each one of us needs to pray every day. They're some of the simplest prayers that we can pray. God, I just thank you. That's a simple prayer. Come on now. God, I just want to praise you right now. God, you're wonderful. That's worshiping God. Simple prayers that we can pray, but yet prayers that can carry such powerful spiritual breakthroughs and strength to your lives. As you sit down to try to individually define them, sometimes it can be a challenge because they are very similar in nature and they function almost the same way. And what we've done is we've tend to package them all up as one thing. Praise, worship, thanksgiving to God. But I want to break it down, if I may, this way today. Are you ready? Praise is, watch this, praise is our response to God for what He has done what He is doing, and what He will do. Come on, as we begin to praise God, we thank Him for the job that we have. Come on, that's giving praise to God for what He's done for us. We praise Him for our wife, we praise Him for our children, we praise Him for the blessings that He's given. Come on, that's in response to what God has done. But notice this, what He's still doing, and I love that, what He is still going to do. Come on. It doesn't end what God has for your life. You haven't come to the end. You're just in the moment of where you're at. But God's got more for your life. So as we praise Him, we're responding to God in that way. You you ready? Worship is, love this, worship is our response to who God is. Come on, it's all about God. It's not about us. It's about God. You're our creator. You're my deliverer. You are awesome. You are wonderful. There is none like you. That's worship. Come on, that's our response to who God is. And then thanksgiving is almost an amalgamation. It's almost the combining of the two together because thanksgiving is a grateful acknowledgement of both God's character, who He is, that's worship, who He is, and acknowledging Him for that, but also the things He has done, is doing, and will do. Come on, that's praise. So thanksgiving is an acknowledgement, yes, of God's character, but yet also of all the things that He's doing. And I want to say this today. I believe that praise, worship, and thanksgiving are vital, vital, vitally important in the life of a believer. What does that word vital mean? Vital signs. If you don't have vital signs, you're what? Kick the bucket, you're gone, you're dead. It's over, it's history. I believe that praise, worship and thanksgiving are vital to a relationship with God. Meaning this, are you ready? If you don't praise God, if you don't worship God, if you don't give thanks to God, you're not in relationship with God. You can look at me strange all you want, but I just cannot believe that anyone could be in a relationship with a God that took them from there. And we know where our there was. Come on now. We know what the sin and we know the sickness and the bondage and the filth. We weren't the nicest people. Hate to break it to you, but you weren't the nicest people before God came into your life. But then God transformed you, didn't he? He removed you from that place. You're now a new creation in Christ Jesus. You're not the same person you used to be. So I'm telling you, if you haven't Got a thanks, if you haven't got a praise, if you haven't got a worship in your heart, then you're not saved because you've got to realize everything you've done. Come on, you've got to be a part of praise, worship, and thanksgiving. And I'm not just talking about here in church, I'm talking about throughout your everyday life that will give praise and will give glory to God. But let me talk, if I could, about church and about praise and worship for a few minutes because I've heard it all. I hear it all when it comes to praise and worship. I hear people say things like that. Well, pastor, that's just not who I am. I feel uncomfortable to lift my hands. I feel uncomfortable to sing. Come on, I've heard it all. Even I've heard this one. Are you ready? I sweat when I praise the Lord. Come on, you live in Louisiana. You sweat when you breathe. Come on now. Just walk to your car. You're going to sweat. And if you've got a problem with sweating when you praise God or whatever, just double the deodorant when you come to church. Do us all a favor. Help us all out. But don't allow those things because here's the truth. Are you ready? If we're in a place where we say, but pastor, that's just not, you know, I'm not. I wasn't brought up like that. I wasn't brought. It's time to change. It's time to change. Maybe you weren't brought out right. Maybe you need to start thinking that. Maybe you need to change with things. But you know what I realize? And this is the truth. You're allowing those things to become an excuse that's robbing you from what God has for you. But it's also given Satan the victory in your life. Did you hear me? It's given Satan the victory in your life. I know in my life, I've just got to be real with you right now, okay? I know in my life, God has done so much for me. Come on, I want to tell you right now, God has done so much for me. I, I don't know why God chooses to use me like he does, but he does. I'm thankful for that. Come on, God's given me a beautiful wife, an incredible family. Half of them up here ministering today. I've got something to be thankful for today. Come on, I've got health and I've got strength. I've got a vehicle. I've got a home. Come on, I've got clothes for my body. You better be thankful for that. Come on, we've got so much to be thankful for in our lives. And here's my reality. For me to keep silent in the house for everything he's done for me. I just cannot. So I apologize if you see me get excited on the front row. Let me just apologize right now. You don't know my story. You don't know what God's done for me. And I'm sorry, I don't want to offend you and I don't want to disappoint you. But let me tell you something. You're not going to steal my praise. Because God has done so much for me. I remember having to make a choice to praise God. I remember when I was a kid, it wasn't always kind of cool, because, you know, it was kind of cool just to kind of sit and worship and just kind of do a little bit, hands in the pockets. It wasn't kind of cool to lift up your hands and to say amen and just different things. But I had to make a choice. Am I going to be cool before men or am I going to be cool before God? And I began to think, I'm going to honor God because He has done so much for me. So I made a choice that whenever I have an opportunity, I'm not going to let someone else praise for me. Come on, I had a choice and I said, God, when I praise God, I'm going to be praising. You know, we've got a shape-up challenge that's coming up where you can lose weight. You can lose weight every Sunday and every Wednesday. Come on, you just get your praise on in church. You can just get going. Who needs Zumba? Who needs Jazzercise? Who needs CrossFit? You can just praise and worship God. Wouldn't it be really cool if we had a scale and we weighed everyone who came into church, weighed them when they went out to see how much they got their praise on in church. Come on. Man, I lost two pounds in church today. Praise God. We can laugh and joke about it, but I'm telling you, God's done some things for you. God's done some things from you. God's turned around your life from what you were. And thank God he's not finished with any of us yet. And he's taken us on. That's why we praise him. That's why we lift our hands. That's why we dance. That's why we clap. Because I made a choice, yes. But now it's become my way of life. Not mean ritualistic that when I come it's just I don't even think about what I'm doing. It's become who I am that I want to be a worshiper, I want to be a praiser, I want to be thankful to God. Now you may still look at me and say, well, that's okay for you. Well, I want to tell you this too, it can be okay for you too. Because look at this statement, worship, praise, it's an experience that must be experienced. Come on, it's an experience that has to be experienced. Well, I just don't know about this praise. If you haven't entered into it, you never will know about it. But those of you who have entered into praise and worship, you know now it's an experience that you don't want to live without. Come on, I wish I had a witness in the house. I need to bring my nine o'clock crew back. They were shouting, they were hollering, they were with me. Where's the? Come on, come on, this is home field advantage. Come on now, we need some help in the house. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Praise and worship is an experience that we need to experience. And I, trust me, I know it's in you. You know why I know it's in you? Because I've seen some of you at the ball field. I've seen when your kids go up to bat. Come on. I've seen you in worship. You can't even lift your hands. But when your kids go up to bat, woo, woo, woo. Come on. And they start hitting and they start running around. You're not caring about how big your sweat patches are under your arms there. You're just lifting up and you're screaming and you're hooping and you're hollering. Most of you are making a fool of yourself. Come on, I've seen some of you watching the LSU games. I've seen some of you watching the Saints. You don't even know who they are. You know their names, but you don't know them. But you're hollering and hooping and and getting all excited. They scored a touchdown. Everything Anyone would think they'd paid your mortgage for a year. They haven't. They probably just cost you money because you had to buy the tickets to go and see them. But yet you're screaming and you're hollering and you're giving praise. Come on, I've seen how some of you are when someone messes with your kids. Come on, when someone messes with your kids, you don't go, yeah, just go ahead and mess with them. That's not who I am. Come on now. It's not who I am. Just silent type. Come on, on, when someone messes with your kids, you say, boy, I'm telling you one thing. I am pretty quiet, but when it comes to my kids, let me just say something. Come on, the hands go on the hip and the fate. Come on, come on, come on, come on. You know what I'm talking about? You're not quiet no longer. Come on, you, you, you've got something comes out of you. It's maybe a devil or a demon or something, but something's coming out. Because it's inside of you, isn't it? Come on, I, I've seen some of you when someone's done you wrong. Come on, you, you don't like that. Come on. You, you're not kind of, oh, let's just go and just pray about it. You, you don't want to pray about it. You want to lay on a hands. Come on now. Come on. Come on, a cleansed hand. Come on. You want to close your hand and, and the, you want to take business into your own hands. Come on now. I've seen some of you in your car while you're driving and someone's cut you off. Come on, I've seen you. Come on, you're waving and you're doing all kind of stuff in the car and you're. Look like one of those Japanese movies, one of the old fighting movies when their mouths are going and nothing's really coming out. That's what's going on in your car. So don't tell me that you don't have anything inside of you. Come on, why do we use it at the ball field when we need to give it to God? Come on, why do we use it on things of the natural when we need to use it to the supernatural so God can change us and do something? Come on, praise and worship and thanksgiving, though is still more than what we just do in church. They need to become a part of the lifestyle of prayer that we need to live. We need to pray worship. We need to pray praise. We need to pray thanksgiving. So today I want to break them down and look at them today, if I may. Number one, prayer one, praise. Praise is what? Our response to God for what He has done, what He is doing, and what He will do. As I said earlier, I love that last part because God's not finished yet. God's not done doing what He wants to do in our lives yet. And as we begin to praise, guess what? We're thanking Him for what, yes, He has done, but we're thanking Him and praising Him for what He's still going to do. There's a saying that we were brought up with when we were kids. And I'm looking at Andrew and his family, and he was brought up in the same generation as us. And the saying that we were brought up in was this, there's power in praise. That's what we were told. Come on, we praise God because there is power in praise. It's not just, a, uh, it's not just an acronym. It's not just a, an empty statement. There is such truth in that. There is power in praise. Look at Psalms 22 verse 3. Psalms 22 verse 3 says these words. But you are, speaking of God, you are holy. I could preach for a whole week on just the word holy. The fact that God is holy. The fact that what that means is this that He will be and He is everything He says He is. He won't lie. He won't go against His word. He's a holy God. He's a never-changing God. He's pure. He's complete. He's awesome. He is everything that you could ever need. So think about this. Here's a holy God, everything that you could ever need. And the Bible says that God is enthroned in the praises of His people or the praises of Israel. What does that mean? That when we begin to praise God, a holy God, it releases His glory or His presence into our lives. You've got to see that. As we praise Him, here's the picture I want you to see. We literally piece together and build a throne, or I like to call it a landing pad, where God's presence can come down as we begin to praise Him. And His presence doesn't just want to come down, His presence wants to stay. His presence wants to abide in the realm of praise. His presence will not leave. He wants to dwell. Now you may say, well, okay, Pastor Philip, I thought God is omnipresent. He is. That means that God is everywhere present at all times. God is everywhere present, but there's a difference because God is not everywhere welcomed. God is not everywhere allowed access into our lives. Yes, He's there. The Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. We see that in Revelations 3.20. He's there at everyone's heart door knocking. But what happens? The door handle is on the inside of the door. For what reason? We have to open the door to allow God to come in. The door handle is not on the outside. We're the ones that have to open the door. So we do see that God's presence is everywhere present, but there's a distinct manifestation of his rule which enters into the environment of praise. It says that he is what enthroned or the King James says he inhabits. I like that. He inhabits the praises. Literally means to take up residence. If you would look at that word, it means to sit down. It means to remain. It means to settle or to marry. In other words, when we begin to praise God, we build a landing platform, a landing pad, a throne where He wants to come with His U-Haul and move in. Come on, we're not talking about a couple of suitcases. Come on, that's a visitor. We're thankful for when visitors come. But we're also many times thankful for when visitors leave. Good to see you. Take care. Bye. Thankful when they come. That's not what we're talking about with God. We're not saying, God, pack an overnight bag because I just need you right now for this circumstance and situation. But that's how many Christians live because they don't understand praise. Praise sets up the house. Praise prepares the room. Praise welcomes God to come that he doesn't just visit. He moves in with everything that is accompanied with him. Man, praise is powerful. Praise is so powerful. So as we begin to praise him, he doesn't merely visit us, but he wants to partner with us and see our relationship with him grow and grow. That's powerful. That God wants to partner with my life? Yes, He wants to help me. He wants to change me. But you know what else we can see? We can see in this passage the power of praise. Because look, we're going to put up the next slide with the following verse. So verse 3 says, but you are holy, God. You are enthroned in the praises of Israel. Read verse 4. Our fathers, what? Trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. Here's the thought. Are you ready? Praise, trust, Deliverance! What an incredible prayer for us to be able to pray. As we pray, what praise? What happens? We begin to bring His presence into our circumstance as His presence comes and He moves in, we get to know God more. And the more we get to know Him, the more we trust Him. Come on, anyone with me on this? Are you following the pathway? And the more we trust Him, the more we'll give to Him, Well, the more we'll throw our lives upon Him. And guess what happens? As we live like that, He delivers us. He brings us out of the marie clay, as the psalmist says. He sets our feet on the rock. So what happens is praise is the pathway to deliverance. You can't have deliverance if you don't have trust. And you don't have trust if you don't have praise. Because he's not there if you don't praise him. But as you praise him, he comes. And when he comes, you get to know him, you trust him, you build those things. It all starts with praise. You know what else we see of praise? Praise literally releases and praise takes our burdens off of us. Have you ever felt so burdened? Have you ever felt damned? I'm telling you what happens when you begin to praise God. Come on, it's our response to what God has done, He's doing and what He will do. As we begin to praise God, you know what happens? We take our focus off of ourselves and we place our attention or our focus where? On God. So it's off of our problems. It's off of our struggles. It's off of our sicknesses. And now it's all put onto God. You know what happens when we give God all those things? Can you imagine the release that can happen inside of us? It feels so good. I know I've come into church many times. It's been a tough week and I'm tired and I just started to praise God and started to worship God. I felt like a new man Come on, I felt like I could run a marathon. Probably couldn't, wouldn't even try it. But felt like I could leave church and run a marathon. It just felt like an absolute release. Felt like a new person. Have you ever said that? Well, I just feel like a new person. God just touched me and he praised me. That's why you need to be here tonight, six o'clock. You can get your praise on and your worship on so you can be that new person that God. But it makes you free and makes you feel better in the process. You see, if you're a praiser, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Come on. Because praise, you, you come in one way, but you leave another way through praise. We can have that praise, that prayer with us each and every day. Philippians 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I love this. Just in case you didn't get it the first time, he says, what? And again, I say, Rejoice. The praise, that which we would rejoice. First Peter 2 verse 9, But you are a chosen generation, all those things, skip down, that you may proclaim. See, God says you're this, this, this and this for this reason, that you would proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His most marvelous light. God made you who you are to praise Him to proclaim Him through the praise of your life. And the Bible's full of examples. Psalms 149 verse 1. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and praise Him in the assembly of the saints. Why does God instruct us to sing in praise? Why did God put a song inside of each one of our hearts? Put on some music and see what will begin to happen to you. Something will begin to bob when you hear some music. Come on. Something would begin. And maybe just your toes happen, but something begins to happen. Why? Because God placed that inside of you for this reason. He knows there's power in your praise. There is power in your praise. I love this story. Let me read this passage, if I could, to you from Romans chapter 4. And I'll explain it after we've read it. Romans chapter 4, verse 18 and 20. Listen. Who, contrary to hope, in hope believed. In other words, when there was maybe no chance of hope, he believed. He had hope. He believed. So that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken. So after your de- so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver At the promises of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he, God, had promised, God, he would also, or was able to perform. This is the account of Abraham, who God came to him and said, I'm going to make you a father of nations. There's a promise, son, that I want to give to you. When it didn't happen in the time in that Abraham thought it should, what did Abraham do? He tried to help God. Many times we get in the problems of helping God. And, and the, the example of him trying to help God, we pay the price for it every time we fill our cars up with gas. Come on, we pay the price of that. For the Israeli and the Arab fighting and the struggles that you see on the news, that's the result of man trying to help God when God says, I'm going to do it, but yet we try to do it for God. Come on, we've just got to trust God and believe God. Whole other message, but think about that. God said, I'm going to give you a son, but you're going to have to wait. God didn't tell him how long, but he had to wait. Some people believe it was between 13 and 20 years that Abraham had to wait for Isaac, for his chosen son. But in the process of waiting, here's what happened. Abraham turned 100 years old. His wife Sarah turned 90 So in the process of waiting, here's what happened. Here's two now really old people who were beyond their childbearing age. Come on, the fire had gone out. There wasn't even any smoke left. The only smoke was dust. Come on now. Everything was gone. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Miss D, raise your hand. Miss D would love to talk to you about it after service right there. I like one translation says this. His body was as good as dead. He's a walking corpse. But in the middle of it all, here's what God says. When he had every opportunity to lose hope, he didn't lose hope. Wow. He looked at the natural or could have looked at the natural and said, but God. But he chose not to look at the natural because that's not what praise does. Praise looks to the... Supernatural. Praise trusts God. So what does he do? Verse 20, look what it says. So he did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief. He kept praying and he kept believing. The New Living Translation says this, In fact, his faith grew stronger and in this he brought glory to God. How did he not waver in his faith? How did he not lose hope? Because he praised God. Come on, he brought the glory to God. He gave glory to God despite his circumstances. Man, I wish I had a witness in the house today. Despite the struggles that he was going through when it looked like in the Natural, it was over. There was no way. He still began to praise God and trusted God, even in the greatest hopelessness of his life. He brought glory and said, God, you're still able to do it because you've done it in the past. You've done it for me now. And God, you're going to do it for me in the future. You see, he did not see his hopelessness because he looked to God. He turned the attention off of him. The fact that he was a walking corpse. He turned the focus off his 90-year-old wife. He turned his focus off of their deadness and the circumstances and everything that was stacked against them. And he put it all on God. Come on, say with me, all on God. That's what praise does. Puts it all on God. That story can be your story too. Now, we're not condoning 60, 70, 80-year-old people having kids. That's sick. That's not God. We said that last service. That's not God. That's sick. But whatever your circumstance and situation that you may think is dead, maybe it's a doctor's report and there's no hope. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's family that you've just been through addiction and through that cycle and you can look and, and the enemy tells you it's hopeless and maybe you want to give up. I want to tell you right now. That the story of Abraham, don't waver. Keep praising God. Keep praising. Why would I say that? Look at this statement. Praise makes God's way possible. Come on, praise makes God's way possible. I didn't say praise makes your way possible because that's why we're in the problems that we are, because of our way. But praise makes God's way possible. For whatever reason, God wanted to wait in that circumstance. For whatever reason in your life, God's maybe got you in a holding pattern, but He's got it for a reason. And until we begin to praise Him, we're never going to be released into that. Until we take our focus off ourselves, come on, we need to start praying some praise each and every day. Just lifting up our hearts to God. Vine's Expository Dictionary defines praise as this, telling or a narration. So as we praise God, we are telling or we are narrating. We are simply recounting or telling aloud the great things that God has done and praising Him still for the things that He's yet to do. I think every one of us would do well to stop complaining and start praising. Come on, stop complaining about what's not happening and start praising the God who can make it happen. Come on, stop complaining and grumbling and moaning and start praising. Because He hears everything we say. God hears everything we say. And He hears the things that we don't say because the Bible says He knows our thoughts are far off and He knows our hearts. So even if we don't say it, God still knows. And here's the question that I had to write down as I was preparing this message that God challenged me with, and that was this. What's God's hearing from my life? What is God hearing from my life? Is he hearing one thing on Sunday, but then another thing on Monday? Is he hearing me say, "Oh, I thank God and God is awesome, but then the rest of the week I'm not feeling that way. What is God hearing from my life? Hebrews 13 verse fifteen says, "Therefore by him let us continually notice that continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. that is the fruit of our lips and the given thanks to his name." That word sacrifice there can mean a number of things. We've made it to mean this and not wrong. But we've made it to mean a sacrifice. means when we don't feel like it. Have you ever come into the house and not felt like praising God? Have you ever felt tired? Have you ever felt lethargic? Have you ever felt sick? Have you ever felt that the enemy kind of got whipped your tail this week and you just don't have anything to give? Maybe you're mad at God and you just don't want to praise Him. There's a sacrifice that we sometimes have to push through and praise Him no matter what. Why? Because it's the pathway to our victory. Come on, the pathway to strength and blessing that God can release things into our life. But literally that word sacrifice right there means this. It means this. To kill or to slaughter for a purpose. To kill or to slaughter for a purpose. Think about that. As we begin to praise God continually, the Bible says, guess what happens? It begins to kill our pride. Begins to kill our fears. Begins to kill our tiredness. Come on, it kills anything that will hinder or silence our praise. You and I must praise Him. The Bible even says this, if we don't praise Him, He'll command the rocks and stones to cry out. It's not because God's an egotistical monster and He has to have praise. It's because He knows the importance of praise and the pathway of blessing and breakthroughs and miracles it is to your life. Prayer number two, you ready? Worship. Come on, say that with me. Would you worship? Worship just sounds great, doesn't it? I just even love how it sounds. Someone said that worship is really worth-ship. Think about that. worth that we worth, put the worth into what God is. So what is worship? It's our response to who God is. It's very interesting that in the Vines Expository Dictionary, we looked up the word praise and we saw it was to what? It meant to tell or to narrate or narration. If you were to look up the word worship in there, you know what it would say? It would say this, not fully defined in Scripture. Wow. Worship is not fully defined in Scripture. And I believe for this reason. Are you ready? Because worship is something that we can't always put into words. Because when we begin to try to explain and paint the picture with our words of the awesomeness of God. There are not words humanly possible that we could ever use that could ascribe the true greatness of what God is. Think about that. Isn't that beautiful? Just the greatness of God, that it's almost indescribable. The awesomeness of who He is. Worship is regarded as a direct acknowledgement to God of His nature, His attributes, His ways, and His claims. And as we worship God, we literally serve God. As we worship Him, we serve, we give our lives as a service. Someone wants to find worship like this, I love this, to kiss. To kiss. What an incredible description and definition, I think, because it shows or suggests great affection and close intimacy, which is what worship really is. Psalms 95 verse 6 says, Oh come, let us worship. Notice, and let us bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Think about what he's saying here. We're worshiping God. We're bowing down. We're kneeling. Why? Because worship is so less of me. It's not about me, but it's about him. It's striving greatness to our God. So when I'm worshiping God, I'm trying to get so far out of the picture because I don't want to steal any of the glory that He deserves and that He needs through our life. What an incredible picture of what a worshipper is about. Worship is a condition of the heart. It's a state of the mind. It's a prayer that we can pray. What a great prayer. We can pray worship. Something that's born in our hearts. It fills our thoughts. It's expressed out through our mouths and bodies. Come on, how do we worship God? We clap. Sometimes. We dance sometimes, we lift our hands, we play instruments, we sing, we give tithes and offerings. Did you know tithes and offerings is a type of worship to God? Come on, it's not praise to God. Praise is thanking Him for what He's done. Worship is what? Just who He is. It's like just giving it to God. God, it's it's all yours because you're just awesome not expecting anything in return, just an act of worship, surrendered, yielded and given up to Him. Come on, what else do we do when we worship? We can kneel, we can jump. We can perhaps even just sit and do nothing. That's all worship before God. And what we realize is this, a worshiper is Satan's worst nightmare. A worshiper is Satan's last worst nightmare, when he does everything within his power to destroy our lives, to make us doubt God, but yet we're still saying, God, you're awesome. There is none like you. That's the greatest nightmare of Satan. You know why Satan is so opposed to a worshiper? Because as a worshiper, you now fill his position. You took his job that used to be his. Did you know that? You took his position. You you are now operating in the job that he was built and created. I haven't got time, but if you would read in Isaiah 14, verse 12 through 15, you will see that he was the lead worshiper. He was the praise and worship director in heaven. In fact, when he was created, Ezekiel speaks about that in his very essence, and his very being, there was timbrels and pipes. He was a one-man band. When he walked, there was music that came out from him because he was created to be the worship. Worship leader of heaven. But one day that all changed. When all of a sudden he said, why do I worship God when I can take the worship for myself? And it wasn't long before God said, if you want worship for yourself, you're not going to do that here. And God cast him out of heaven. Luke speaks about him coming out of heaven like a lightning bolt to this ground. Meaning that God sent him packing in a hurry. Come on, God didn't even let him collect his stuff. God sent him right out. Why? Because God wasn't going to allow that in his presence. Why? Because worship is so sacred to God. Satan knows firsthand what true worship is. He knows how wonderful and powerful and life-changing it is. He knows what happens in the spirit realm as we begin to worship God. And that's why it's been his life's mission since he was excommunicated and kicked out of heaven to still do everything within his power to silence worship. He couldn't steal it from God, but he now wants to steal it from you. So you don't give it to God. Think about that. If Satan is silencing your worship and praise to God, then he is winning in what he wants to achieve. And that is this, to steal the praise away from God. Come on, we cannot allow Satan to steal our worship. He uses circumstances and situations. But the first thing we need to do is throw our hands in the air and say, God, you are awesome. You're incredible. As we begin to worship him and then we begin to praise him and say, my focus is off of those things and my attention is fully on you. Look what the Bible says in John 4 verse 23. The Bible tells us God is looking for those who desire to worship God for who He is. It says, but the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is looking for those who will worship Him. The Bible says, worship Him in spirit and truth. I want to break that down simply this way, corporately, personally. God is looking for those who would worship him in spirit. That's, I believe, speaks of a corporate worship. It's easy, isn't it, to worship God when the band is playing and everyone is around you. And the spirit of God is moving that you can feel involved in that situation. You can literally feel almost that tangible presence. It's easy to worship God in spirit, isn't it, when you're in the house. Anyone understand what I'm talking about? But it's another thing, isn't it, when you're out on the job and everything's going wrong? It's another thing when the principal's call and saying, come and pick your kids up from school. It's another thing when the doctor's call and saying, hey, the reports aren't looking good. That's worshiping God now in truth. When the rubber hits the road and you don't have a band just to take you to heaven, and you don't have Megan to lead you in worship, and you don't have everything, and you don't have people around you to lift you. That's the corporate spirit, but then there's also worship in truth. You see, God is secret true, genuine worshipers who were really worshipping with all of their hearts. What a prayer towards heaven. Not worshipping him because of obligation or religion, but worshipping him out of a loving relationship, just loving on God. Because true, sincere worship comes out of our hearts. It comes from an intimacy that we need to have with God. That's why worship is so important to our prayer lives. Matthew 15, 7 and 9 says this. Hypocrites. And we're coming to that next month. You need to be here talking about hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, look, verse 8. These people draw near to me with their mouths and they honor me with their lips. But their what? Their heart is far from me. And notice what it says in verse 9. And in vain, They worship me. That word vain means emptiness, nothingness. Because worship isn't just words from our mouth. Worship is words from our heart. And sometimes worship is not even words from our heart. Because we're so in awe to the wonder and majesty of God. Words leave us. And there's just a brokenness that comes out. But what a worship that comes to God. So our mouths must only reflect what's already in our hearts. And as I said, sometimes not even words can express the adoration of worship. Prayer number three, almost done. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the great full acknowledgement both of who he is, worship, and what he does, praise. Thanks is an expression of true heartfelt appreciation. Psalms 95 verse 2 says, Let us come before his presence with, let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. That word thanksgiving there in that psalm speaks literally of praise or thanks, but here's the translation of that. To lift or extend one's hands in thanks to him. Could we just practice that right now? Could we just lift our hands and just say thank you? Thank you. Why do we lift our hands in church? Because the actual word thanksgiving there is an extended hand and a lifted hand up to God. Just almost like an extended hand. I think of when one of my children fall and we're around, what do they do? Oh, What do they do? They want us to pick them up and to help them. But yet then there's other times when they just praise. What a beautiful image and picture of thanksgiving. Psalms 104 verse 4 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Be thankful. I want to show you something really quick about the importance of giving thanks today. Because a lot of people don't realize this and you need to hear this. Thanks is God's will for your life. Giving thanks is God's will for your life. It's amazing, probably one of the top ten questions that I get asked as a pastor is this, Pastor Philip, what's God's will for my life? What is it that God wants for my life? And they'll come and say, is it God's will for me to take this job? Is it this God's will for me to marry this person? Is it God's will for me to go to Africa? Is it God's will for me to do this and that? Many times I don't know that. But what I do know is this, to be thankful is the will of God for your life. At all times, no matter what you're going through, that's right. Having a grateful heart in all circumstances is God's will for your life. How do I know this? First Thessalonians 5 verse 18 says this, "In everything, give. For this is the come on, help me out. In everything give for this is the will. of God in Christ Jesus. for who? And you, and you, and you, and you. But notice that, that thanks releases the will of God. Or I want to say it this way, thanks releases me into the will of God for my life. Notice the Bible doesn't say for everything give thanks. It says in everything. There's a big difference. Come on. I'm not thanking God when I'm sick. Well, thank you, God, for making me sick. Really great. I love it. No. Thanking God. God, I may be sick, but God, you're still my healer. And I thank you, God, that I'm alive still to pray and believe. Come on. There's a difference between for and in. And we've got to in everything. We've got to begin to give thanks. That means what? That means living out God's will for your life is living a life of thankfulness unto God. Which simply means being aware of the common everyday blessings that God has given us. Our health. What a blessing our health is. Now, some of us can say, Well, I could be healthier. You sure could be, but you could be sicker. Start thanking God. Come on, our freedom. Well, I have kind of freedoms and this. You could be a lot more bound than what you are. Just start thanking God for your freedom. The abilities that you have. Never taking things for granted, but being thankful. You know, being thankful also means that you thank God for the people that He's brought into your life. Come on, some of you have had some wonderful people that God's brought into your life just to do life with. But like we said in the last service, we're also thankful for some of the people God's taken out of our lives too. God gives and the Lord takes, but what did Job say? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Notice the thankfulness when God gave and God takes, but God's still the same in every situation. It's so important that we are thankful because being thankful closes the door on complaining. Look at this statement. True prayer corrects complaining and promotes gratitude and thanksgiving to God. True prayer corrects complaining. And promotes gratitude. What are you talking about? A prayer of praise, a prayer of worship, and a prayer of thankfulness will correct the wrong prayers of complaining and moaning and grumbling, but will begin to ascribe greatness to God and trust God and thank God for everything that He's done. To complain is an ever-present temptation in each one of our lives. You don't have to practice complaining. You don't even have to learn how to complain. It comes naturally, unfortunately. I like this, what Megan posted on Instagram on Thursday. Look at this. It says this, it doesn't matter if the glass is half empty or half full. Be grateful or thankful that you have a glass and there is something in it. Don't you like that? And the reality is this, the glass is all full. It's just not full of water, but it's full of air. And it's the perception that you have in life. But why can't we begin to thank God? I want to tell you this. Thankfulness opens the door for God to bless you. If you look and you think someone else is more blessed than you, instead of grumbling, complaining, maybe they thank God for more than you. And I'm not saying that as we thank God, automatically God doubles and he gives us more. But I tell you what will happen as we thank God, we will have more because we'll begin to appreciate what we already do have. And we'll begin to realize the gratefulness of what we do already have. Because if God never did anything else for any one of us, none of us here could complain and grumble and moan and say, God, you never did anything because he's already done more than he ever needs to do for each one of our lives. And you better start thanking him for that. Start thanking him for that. Because thankfulness opens the door for God to bless you, but complaining opens the door for Satan to curse you to make you doubt. Philippians four or Philippians two fourteen. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Well, Pastor, what that verse really means is no, that's what that verse really means. Do all things. Come on, we need to start having a prayer of thankfulness. Living a thankful life. I'm actually preaching my grandfather's funeral in Georgia on Wednesday. My grandfather passed away Thursday. My mother's father would would have been 90 years old in September. A wonderful man, just a leader of our family, an incredible guy. And my grandfather had two statements that he would always say. Every church service, his first was this, you'll feel better for coming here. And you'll never be the same again. I'm looking over Ada and the family because they remember that. My grandfather would always give it that punch when he would come. You'll feel better for coming here and you'll never be the same again. Another statement my grandfather would say every service was this. To a thankful heart, a double portion comes. What truth? From Genesis to Revelation, you see the truth of that. To a thankful heart. A double portion comes. And it's not all what comes. It's what comes out from within us because there's so much that we've got to be thankful for. When we're thankful, we position ourselves to receive more from the Lord. Last scripture and then I'm going to close. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? Wow, there's that thankfulness again. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. See how prayer can be a prayer of thanksgiving. I've got to be honest with you. I would say 50 to 60% of my prayer when I pray to God is praise, worship and thanksgiving. God, I just thank you for who you are. Thank you for your awesomeness and gratefulness. I just praise and worship and thank God for the greatness. Be anxious for nothing. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God comes when we praise, when we worship, when we thank God. And it will guard our hearts and our minds. Praise, worship, and thanksgiving are some of the simplest prayers that we can ever pray. But yet some of the most powerful and life-changing because they'll change everything about us as we praise and we worship and we thank God with our prayers, you know what happens? Heaven comes down to earth. God's presence and power comes. And anything is possible. As we praise and worship and thank God with our prayers, we keep the focus on the Lord and take all the attention off of ourselves. I don't know about you, but that's the type of prayer that I want to pray today. I want to pray a prayer of praise, which is a powerful prayer. I want to pray a prayer of worship, which is a prayer of adoration to the greatness of my God. And I want to pray a prayer of thankfulness, gratitude for what not that I could have. Because I heard this once, instead of grumbling, complaining about what you do have, be thankful you haven't got what you deserve. That's the kind of prayer that we need to have. Would you stand to your feet with me today? Precious Jesus. Praise, worship, and thanksgiving. Worship, worth-ship, giving God the glory. Can we just do that right now? Can we just all over this place? Can we just lift our hands? Can we just begin to worship God? Can we just begin to thank God? Come on, there should be thanks that would come out of your heart. What have I got to be thankful for? Just thank Him. Start with the fact that you can breathe. Because if you couldn't breathe, you wouldn't be here today. Come on, we've got so much to be thankful for. Come on, just begin to thank God. Come on, right now. Come on, just lift that voice of thanks in the house. Come on, let's just begin to lift that voice of praise and worship to God right now. God, we thank you, God, that you're wonderful. God, we thank you that you're awesome. We thank you, God, that there is none like you. We thank you, God, that you're our redeemer. Come on, we thank you, God, that you're our king. We thank you for your greatness of what you've done, what you're still doing, and what you're going to continue to do. God, we just worship you, God. We lay our lives so low, God, right now. God, we just come down and kneel before you and just worship you, God, with everything, God, because it's not about us, God, but it's all about you, God. That's what works worship is all about you, God. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. We place our hope. We place our trust. We place our faith in you. We believe you, God, right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on right now if you want to praise and you want to worship him.